It is a crossover Thursday here on Locked On Rams. Aaron Freeman from Locked On Falcons joins us to give us all the key matchups, what needs to go right, and who's going to win. That's coming up next on Locked On Rams. You are Locked On Rams, your daily Los Angeles Rams podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. So, guys, you are back for another crossover Thursday. It's week two between the Atlanta Falcons and Los Angeles Rams. Of course, I'm the host of Locked On Falcons, Aaron Freeman. You can find me on Twitter at FalcFans. And today I am joined by Travis Rogers with the easiest Twitter handle (laughs) to understand. It's at Travis Rogers. Travis, looking forward to this week two matchup. Both teams disappointing losses in week one. Uh, looking for a bounce back game. Obviously, the Rams have high expectations for the season. They certainly do not want to start zero and two. No, this game, Aaron, has changed dramatically. How you know how I see it? I think how a lot of Rams fans see it. That going in and and opening up with Buffalo, obviously, is going to be a very tough game. As the Rams, the defending Super Bowl champions, and banner night and everything, and and you get an opponent like Buffalo, it really did feel like a game that could go either way. It obviously did not go the way that the Rams are. This Falcons game felt like a game. Okay, this is one that you can probably feel pretty good about going in. And now I know a lot of people are holding on pretty tight about what's going to come on Sunday because Atlanta looked, I think, a little bit better than a lot of Rams fans thought. And the Rams looked a lot worse than I think any Rams fans thought. So, guys, as I said before, it is Crossover Thursday, and I want to let you guys know that today's episode is presented by our friends at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is so much fun. It's fun. It's easy to play. There's no competing with other players. It's just you versus the projections. You can pick two to five players, and whether or not they score more or less than their Prize Picks projection, you can win up to 10 times as much money on your entry. It can literally taste less than 60 seconds to enter. It's that easy. We love Prize Picks, and we know you will love it too. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the promo code locked on. That's prizepicks.com promo code locked on. I was already looking at uh, Cooper Cup's projections and Young Way Koo's projections. Go over. And, yeah. <laughs> Go over with Cup. That's a, it's a good bet. Yeah. So uh, let's start things off uh, talking about this matchup. And, and Travis, I'll give you the floor. What's sort of the big story of the week for this Rams team? Yeah, well, I think the big story of the week for the Rams is whether or not they bounce back from what happened a week ago. There are a lot of football things. We could talk about the offensive line. We could talk about Jalen Ramsey. You could talk about Allen Robinson and all the things that didn't look great from a football perspective a week ago. But the big story coming into this one is, did the Rams have a bad week against a very, very good team where they just played very poorly? Or the Rams not nearly as good as they were a year ago? Have they taken a significant step back? Or have they found just a way to, you know, they, they're so top-heavy with the talent that they have. They have so many big names along the way. Has that lack of depth that they've been dealing with the last couple of years finally caught up to them? And now they are not able to hide some of the deficiencies that maybe they've had previously. That's what I'm looking at. More than anything coming into this game is, do they look like the team that we expected them to? Or is this the new normal for the Rams where they're going to have to scratch, claw, and fight for every single thing they get this year 
Uh, yeah, I think that's going to be interesting to watch. I think it's a similar story for the Falcons it's about their ability to rebound after a disappointing loss, another blown lead, another collapse for the Falcons in the fourth quarter. And it's about whether or not they can bounce back, regain the focus and go up against this relatively hungry Rams team that certainly does not want to start the season 0-2 uh, and having a home game. Uh, where they uh, should get that opportunity. Um, and, you know, the Falcons certainly don't want to start their season 0-2. Uh, but, you know, I don't think many people thought the Falcons would, you know, get off to this hot start uh, this season. So if they fall to 0-2, it's probably less of a story than the Rams falling to 0-2. Sure. But it, it's, you know, they're coming off a game where they outplayed the Saints for 75% of that game. And then uh, everything sort of went against the Falcons in that fourth quarter. And whether or not they can repeat that, and go up against a quote-unquote superior opponent in the Rams and go toe-to-toe with them uh, and, and deal with some of these matchups that I'm sure we're going to be getting into um, a little bit later uh, in today's episode. But yeah, yeah I Aaron, I, I was teams- curious. I, I wanted to ask you that. The, the idea of because the the reaction the week after here in Los Angeles was what in the world was that? That we knew Buffalo was going to be really good. We knew that it was going to be a, a, a difficult game, but the way that the Rams looked was really surprising, in particular on offense, where they could just get absolutely nothing done along the way. I was curious how it felt, you know, come Monday morning in and around Atlanta and with Falcons fans. Was this a, hey, we played a little bit better than we thought and we almost stole one? Or was this a, you know, this is kind of the same old story where we were in it right up until we weren't and we let it slip through our fingers? Yeah, I think the majority was uh, that latter uh, take away from this game, that narrative. Um, I think people, because of how well affected the Falcons were in close ball games last year, they had a seven and two record in one score games. I think people were hoping that the days of the Falcons blowing these sort of leads and not figure out a way to, to pull it off uh, in the end were over. And there was several games last year where they did blow some leads, uh, but they were able to pull it off again, a week nine win over the saints when uh, Trevor Simeon was in that game, replacing uh, Jameis Winston. Um, mm-hmm. The saints came back down several scores, but the Falcons were able to put uh, enough together at the end to sort of uh, seal that win. And they had opportunities on Sunday against the saints again to do so. They were not, able to take advantage of those opportunities so i think people were more upset that uh the the falcons sort of the same old uh falcons all those 28 to 3 uh references you know say came roaring back for them um but i i do think there were certainly positive takeaways from this game and the fact that the falcons did look so good in the first three quarters of this game so uh we've tried to shift the narrative to more to that over the last couple of days on lockdown falcons yeah it's been it's been interesting to see it here with, with the rams as well because it does feel even though it's been you know nearly a week and a half since or a week this is my, you know when we're doing a crossover thursday here since the actual game was played but by the time they get on the field on sunday it'll be a week and a half I don't know if the the Rams fans have kind of unpacked exactly what it is that happened because the easy explanation I think is hey look they did not look good against a really good team but the the the, the scarier reality may be they played a really good team and they're not that, that it wasn't just a bad day week one we always overreact to the good and the bad I, I certainly understand that but uh, the the game against the Falcons this weekend I think will give us a lot of feeling on, okay, the things are back more like we thought it was going to be, and not necessarily because you you win the game running away, but it just it functions. You know, whether it's a one-score game or, or not, does it function the way that you expect a Sean McVay team to function, or does it look like we saw last week, which was Cooper Cup was great and everything else looked like it was busted? 
Yeah, and we'll see if uh, Cooper Cup is going to be great this weekend. He's going to be one of those key matchups. We'll get into more of those key matchups for both of these teams headed into Sunday's game. But before we get there, guys, I do want to tell you about the world's largest car sharing marketplace. That is Turo. Turo, you can book any car you want, wherever you want, from a whole community of local hosts that you can browse a huge selection of vehicles for any occasion, for any budget across the U.S., Canada, and the U.K., Book a spacious SUV or minivan for that family road trip that's coming up. Or maybe you just want to get a classic luxury car for that special event, that birthday or that holiday coming up. Uh, you can find affordable economy cars if you're on a budget and you just want to be able to get from A to B. Uh, test drive that new electric vehicle that you've had your eye on and see how it fits your everyday life. All you have to do is head on over to Turo.com and many other hosts can deliver the car right to you. Every trip is backed by a liability insurance, terms and conditions, and the exclusions apply ditch the boring rental cars and find your drive at turo.com that's t-u-r-o.com so continuing today's crossover thursday with myself aaron freeman of locked on falcons and travis rogers of locked on rams and we're talking about the key matchups for sunday's game we got a couple of them for you and we just were talking about whether or not cooper cup is going to be the guy uh for the rams like he was last thursday i'm sure travis is curious if anybody else is going to step up uh for this team but talking about cooper cup he's one of the key matchups for me mm -hmm. you know falcons having um some concerns at their nickel cornerbacks position the player that was supposed to start the season isaiah oliver is on injured reserve and will at least miss the next three games if not more um dealing with a knee injury that he suffered last year and in the first week against the saints the falcons kind of had platooning uh mike ford and d alford splitting those cornerback uh nickel cornerback reps last week and alford got 21 snaps ford got 15 snaps but what was interesting looking at the data from pff um when the falcons were utilizing man coverage it was predominantly alford in the game when they were utilizing zone coverage it was mike Ford. about 61 mm. percent of uh alfred snaps were man coverage 73 percent of ford snaps were zone coverage and the, the thing we know about the rams is that they absolutely eviscerated man coverage last year uh and so i think the usual strategy that most teams want to employ we saw buffalo employ this as well is that you want to play zone coverage against the rams and so does that mean that the falcons put Mike Ford out there on Cooper Cup. And that to me is a major mismatch. D. Alford was kind of the MVP of Falcons training camp coming from the CFL, a, a young uh, corner with a bright future. And seems like the better fit if you want someone that can at least try to slow down Cooper Cup in this game. Mike Ford is an outstanding special teams player, but leaves a lot more to desire on defense. And I think that matchup, uh, whether or not the Falcons sort of follow what they did in week one with you know, Ford getting those zone coverage snaps and Alfred getting those man coverage snaps uh, that could determine, you know, how big a game Cooper Cup can wind up having. Because, you know, Cooper Cup's going to get his. You just you can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. As yeah, that that's the thing with Cup, right? That is you can. He had a really good game against Buffalo. He was the only player for the Rams on Thursday against Buffalo that looked like the player we saw a year ago. He had over 10 catches. He had over 100 yards. He got into the end zone. But it was the rest of it that didn't really work particularly well, which brings me to my first matchup as well, which is whoever, whether it's his own coverage, whether it's man-to-man -man coverage, but can Allen Robinson find a way to get in involved in the Ram offense in a meaningful way? This was not just a, a bad day in the sense that he didn't have multiple catches or he didn't get it in the end zone or didn't have a lot of yards. This was a, a matchup against Buffalo. And like you mentioned, Aaron, this, this is a, a – 
you got to wonder if this isn't kind of a blueprint on how to attack the Rams moving forward, where you have a group of guys that play a zone as opposed to man to man, because Allen Robinson not only only caught one pass, he only got one look in meaningful time. They, they only gave him one target. It was about early in the second quarter. They finally found him with a pass throughout the rest of the game. They never went to him until I think it was maybe the second or third last of the last play of the game where they threw him his second target and incomplete pass. They have to get him going. I'm not worried about Cooper Cup. Cooper Cup is going to get what he gets. But Allen Robinson has to do more than he did a week ago, a lot more, because you go back to last season, that third wide receiver was Odell Beckham Jr. That third wide receiver was Van Jefferson. These are guys that, you know, in in Odell's case, is a high-level NFL player, and in Van Jefferson's case, a very good NFL player that you have to respect, that you have to cover, that you have to account for in coverage. Now, all of a sudden, you got Cup, who's doing what he does. You got Allen Robinson, who's had a great career up until this point, but was very underwhelming in that first game. And then it's a whole bunch of, you know, shrug emojis after that, whether it's Tutu Atwell, who's done literally, this is not a euphemism, nothing for the Rams. He has not caught a pass for them in his Rams career. He hasn't done anything. You got Ben Skoranek, who's, you know, fairly limited in what he can do. You're going to have to get something out of that number two wide receiver. So Allen Robinson is at the top of the list for me. Absolutely. And I, I like the Falcons chances with AJ Terrell lining up on the outside, one of the best corners in the league going up against Allen Robinson. But, you know, another key matchup for me is what the Falcons do up front, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the best way to keep the ball out of the hands of these playmakers that the Rams have at the receiver weapon uh, is, you know, getting the quarterback down on his backside. He can't complete passes from his back. And we saw uh, the, the Bills do a very effective job with Seven. that against this Rams offensive line last week. And I'm very curious to see if the Falcons can do again, going back to the notion of if the Falcons do play that zone coverage, that means they're going to send a lot of four man rushes. Dean Pease will certainly dial up a lot of blitzes uh, out of that uh, with those zone blitzes and whatnot, but uh, it's going to rely on four guys getting to the quarterback. And I do like the Falcons chances coming off of a, a good game against the saints where they were able to get four sacks They're already a, almost a quarter of the way through their sack total from a year ago, just one, uh, w- one game into the season where they only had 18 sacks. So uh, Grady Jarrett going up against a rough interior. I know the Rams are kind of shuffling things around their offensive line with several of the injuries. So the Falcons have, I think a golden opportunity to take advantage of that and, you know, help their secondary out by getting, Matt Stafford on the ground yeah I think you bring up some good points Aaron because the the Bills were able to get seven sacks on Matthew Stafford last week and they were able to do it without blitzing they were able to do it with just their regular pressure that the Rams like you mentioned they thrive against man-to-man and they thrive against the blitz that that is that is where the Rams have really made some money over the last couple of years and if they if, if all of a sudden you can create um, mismatches if you can make him uncomfortable to your point if you can get him on his back with just your front four then all of a sudden that's a game changer for whoever the rams are playing against you mentioned it a second ago this is my next uh match that i'm looking about the ram coming into the season the rams offensive line was a question mark andrew whitworth uh, is in a retirement and austin corbett goes to the Carolina Panthers. That's two-fifths of their starting offensive line. This is a guy that's as experienced as anybody at your left tackle. And then you've got it's probably your nasty guy at right guard in Austin Corbett. Well, okay, so Joe Nopum comes in at left tackle. He gets his lunch handed to him a week ago by Vaughn Miller. He had a really rough day. And not just because Miller's running around the edge, but he's just walking him back to Matthew Stafford a couple of times as well. It was, it was not a good, good debut for him as the starting left tackle. So you go to that right, the right guard spot. Coleman Shelton is the guy that wins that job coming out of camp. Logan Bruss gets hurt. 
Now, all of a sudden, Brian Allen, your starting center, he goes down with a knee injury, which means you got to show you got to shuffle Shelton from right guard to center, which now means Tremaine Ancrum comes in at right guard. So you are already thin along the offensive line. Two of your backups last year in Shelton and in Nopeboom are your starters. Now one of those guys has to move over to play a position because another starter is gone. And now a guy who last year in Tremaine Ancrum who was, you know, kind of a depth guy, maybe a third-string guy, maybe a guy that would play in some certain situations. Now you're going to have to have a whole game out of him. That offensive line was bad last week. It's the number two thing that I'm looking at this week behind Allen Robinson. Can they give Matthew Stafford the time that he needs to do the work that he needs to do for them to score more than 10 points? Yeah, and, uh, you know, the Falcons' offensive line is no strength of of theirs either, but um, they had a, a really good week. Uh, last week only gave up one quarterback hit, mm. uh, zero sacks uh, against a, a Saints pass rush that usually just dominates them and has done so. I think I threw out the stat on last week's crossover with Ross Jackson and Locked on Saints that if you go back the last 17 games against the Falcons in the Saints, that the Saints have 56 sacks uh, in those 17 games, but mm. uh, none last week. So the offensive line stepped up, but obviously they have a huge challenge ahead of them with Aaron Donald and Leonard Floyd and uh, Greg Gaines and all those guys up front. Uh, the Rams pass rush was not as formidable in week one as we are known to see, but I think a lot of that was due to the Bills using the quick passing game to get rid of the ball quickly uh, so that they could basically, you know, Aaron Donald can't get to the quarterback if the ball is out of his hands. Uh, and Josh Allen did an ac- excellent job in that. That's not really the strength of Marcus Mariota's game is that sort of quick passing game and throwing with timing and precision. So he's going to have to be better there. But I think the Falcons are going to rely on the same game plan they did a week ago to slow down the Saints pass rush, which is run the football, use the play action passing, uh, get the Rams focused on the Falcons run game. And so that will slow down those pass rushers and prevent guys like Donald and Floyd from pinning their ears back and getting after the quarterback. But that's heavily reliant on the defense stopping and slowing down that Rams offense because if the Rams build a lead and the Falcons are going to have to abandon their running game. So, um, you know, it, it works hand in hand uh, that matchup uh, for the Falcons on the offensive side of the ball in the trenches. Yeah. The, the last one for me, Aaron is, and I, I don't know if he's ever had a worse game. I've certainly not seen him play more poorly than he did against Buffalo a week ago was Jalen Ramsey. Jalen Ramsey has been the best corner in football for a while. Nothing lasts forever. And and it started to turn a little bit towards the end of last season where he got beat in Tampa in, in the divisional round. He got beat in the NFC Championship game by the San Francisco 49ers. He got beat a couple of times in the Super Bowl by the Cincinnati Bengals. And that game against the Bills, they went at him six times. They completed five of those passes for more than 100 yards. They got into the end zone. Stephon Diggs got in there. And Josh Allen had a perfect passer rating when he went at Jalen Ramsey specifically. He's another one, like we talked about with Allen Robinson a minute ago. I'm not saying you got to be perfect. I'm not saying that you got to be the best version of yourself on Sunday necessarily, but we got to take a significant step forward because. Jalen Ramsey allows them to do what they do on the other side of the field where they are very inexperienced. They are very green. They brought Troy Hill back. That helps a little bit, obviously, but you're talking about first and second year players who have not played a ton of NFL football. And the reason you can kind of get away with that is, you know, that Jalen Ramsey has one side of this thing shut down. He did not have one side of this thing shut down against Buffalo. They tore him up. Yeah. It's a similar scenario for the Falcons with AJ Terrell, who was, 
you know, in the running with Jalen Ramsey as the best corner in the league a year ago. And he, he uh, struggled down the stretch against Michael Thomas. Uh, so, you know, the Falcons got a little taste of that. But obviously, you know, I think Falcon fans would love to see Jalen Ramsey have another game struggle so that <laughs> they can crow about A.J. Terrell being the true uh, top corner in the league and, and uh, how upset they were when – AJ Terrell wasn't even on the NFL top 100 list, mm. uh, but uh, we'll we'll talk uh, more about this game and get into some final score predictions. Uh, now that we've seen some of these key matchups, how do they sort of play out as Travis and I uh, continue today's crossover Thursday, guys? Uh, but speaking of final score predictions, you know the best place to go if you have an inkling of what that final score is going to be, at least what the difference between the winner and loser is going to be that spread is betonline.net the number one source for all your pro and college football betting needs and sports info this season from the latest football developments game matchups news and podcasts including this week's games uh the line for this upcoming matchup between the rams and falcons the rams are favored by 10 and a half points um in this game and we'll see if the falcons can do enough to close the gap and possibly even overtake uh that score uh and we'll get our thoughts on that as we continue today's episode but if you have some thoughts on that head on over to bet online the fastest and easiest way to check out your favorite sports and events whether it's football mlb mma boxing golf so much more head to the website today at betonline.net betonline where the game starts so continuing and wrapping up today's crossover Thursday, and we want to remind you guys to subscribe to Locked on Falcons, Locked on Rams on your preferred podcast platforms, free and available, Apple Odyssey, Google, Spotify, and of course, YouTube as well. Uh, give us that like as well. But uh, Travis, continuing today's episode, let's get into some score predictions. We know the line is 10 and a half points mm -hmm. uh, between the Falcons and Rams. Uh, do you feel good about the Rams being able to cover that spread with a final score prediction? No, I, I do not feel good about them being able to cover that spread. It's funny. I, I, I thought one of the great, um, I don't know if it's unknowns, but an opportunity for a lot of people was the Rams through the first month of the season or so, through about the first four or five games in the Sean McVay era, the Rams have not only been winning a bunch of games, but they've been covering like crazy through the first month or so of the season. Um, I, all bets are off after what I saw last Thursday. I don't know. I, I think the Rams win the game. I think that they uh, – I don't know if it comes down to a last play kind of scenario. I, like you mentioned, the spread is 10.5. I think this lands somewhere around that 24 to 17 range. It feels like a, maybe a, a touchdown difference. I think the Rams should win the game. It, it's like we talked about at the, at the beginning, Aaron. The, the, the feeling around this game changed dramatically from last week to this. This was a, hey, maybe if you can find a way to beat Buffalo, now you're 2-0, now you're going to play a couple of division games. The next two Rams games are at Arizona and at San Francisco, a San Francisco game on a Monday night. Arizona team that they typically play very well against. San Francisco, a team they typically do not play very well against. So you had a chance to get through that first month of the season, maybe 3-1, and one. maybe if you beat Buffalo, maybe 4-0, and oh, and we'll see what happens. Now all of a sudden, this may be the game that you feel like you've got a really significant opportunity to win. Even though it's week two, it feels much more important than your typical week two game. I think that Sean McVay was embarrassed by what happened a week ago. Hopefully the Rams players feel a certain way about what happened a week ago, and they come out fully motivated, ready to go, and have a game plan to kind of take care of the business that they weren't able to do last week. All of that said, if they just aren't good, they just aren't good. 
you know, and, and I think we're going to have a better feel for where they are. I do think they win the game. I think they win it by a touchdown. But this is a team that has a statement to make coming up on Sunday afternoon. And if they don't, even with a win, if this turns into a, a one-point win, a field goal win or something like that, I don't know what Rams fans are going to be thinking after that because this was supposed to be the one to – and the bookmakers are telling you too, it's a 10.5-point game. In the NFL, that's a big number. It doesn't feel like a big number to me. Yeah, I. it's, it's funny because – all off season long, I think every Falcon fan, myself included, would just circle this game. This is definitely a loss. It's just a question of how close can the Falcons keep it, uh, not whether or not the, the team can win. And as you say, based off of the Rams' performance in week one, it does feel like this game is a lot more winnable for the Falcons, especially if they can have a repeat performance as they did in those first three quarters against the Saints, where they, as they say, rised up, uh, rose up uh, to, to, uh, you know, take it to the Saints. But I have this feeling that, you know, this is the week one overreaction. The Rams are down, the Falcons are up, and I feel like things may level out back to probably what we thought they would be, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago in the summer uh, where people expected the Rams to win this game handily. That 10.5 point spread, as you say, Travis, is a big one. Uh, but it's sort of my final score prediction, I think they might barely be able to cover that. I got them Rams winning 27 16. Um, you know, I don't know if the Falcons will have a repeat performance uh, like they did against the Saints, um, against this Rams team, particularly in the trenches. Um, you know, I don't know if the run heavy game plan that I expect the Falcons to deploy will work two weeks in a row coming off a 200 yard rushing game against the mm -hmm. Saints. You know, I, I feel like the Rams will be ready for that and prepared to clamp that down. And if that happens, I don't want to see what happens with this offensive line facing against Floyd and Donald if they get an early lead and get the pin their ears back. And so that's why I, I feel like the Rams should handle this one um, for, against the Falcons and, and potentially win this one by uh, double digits. Yeah, Aaron, I, th I think you're right. I, I was talking about this on Wednesday's Locked on Rams that I think the number one key for the Rams as far from a defensive standpoint is make Mariota throw the ball. They, they do, do not let them just try to grind you up the way that they had success against New Orleans because, you know, out here I have a lot of family members that are Oregon alumni. Um, I, I'm an Oregon fan. I, I've seen a lot of Marcus Mariota in my day, and even going back to his days at Oregon when he was terrific. I mean, Heisman Trophy winner, but he was thrown to a bunch of wide-open guys. He's not the most accurate guy in the world. So if you can make him throw the ball, I think he's going to throw you one or two. But if he can kind of do what he does best, which is run and, and kind of be a dual threat like that, it becomes a lot more complicated. But if they can make him throw that ball 25 or 30 times, I like the Rams' chances. Yeah. So let's wrap up today's episode. Travis, what is remind folks, what is the biggest story of the week for the Rams heading into this week two matchup? Biggest story of the week for, for me, Aaron, is can they bounce back from a really nasty face plant in week one? They, do, do they have that championship medal? They had it last year. They had a, a really terrible month of November. They did not win a, a game at all. They go and they get embarrassed by Tennessee. They get embarrassed by San Francisco. They get knocked around by the Green Bay Packers, and it's this, oh, my gosh, Matt Stafford is throwing pick sixes like they're going out of style. What are they going to do? 
And then they kind of buckled down and came back, and they only lost one game the rest of the way. They lost in week, uh, week 18, I guess it is now, um, against San Francisco 49ers, and they didn't lose anymore. They, they ended, I mean, we all know how it ended. They ended up winning the Super Bowl, caught a lot of breaks along the way to, to make it happen, but they showed a great deal of resilience and metal and coming back from a really lousy month. This hasn't been a month. It's one week, like you mentioned, but it is against a very good team, and they did not look like one themselves. Do they have that fortitude, that metal to come back and say, okay, that really was one week. Everybody calm down. We don't play our guys in the preseason. We are the defending Super Bowl champions, and we're here to show you why. Fortitude is the key word for the Falcons and their big story of the week. Can they respond to that disappointing fourth quarter collapse uh, against the Saints in week one? Uh, they outplayed the Saints for the first three quarters of that game. We're controlling the game. Uh, you could argue dominating that game uh, until the very end uh, when they blew that 16 point lead. And, you know, it's going to take some fortitude and some resiliency for the Falcons to respond, be able to uh rebound and, and and take it to this Rams team that is, as you say, looking uh, to not fall into this 0-2 hole and, and show their own sort of fortitude and resiliency. Uh, and we'll see if the Falcons can do that uh, this week. And talking about uh, the key matchups for this game, uh, remind the folks, uh, what are some of the key matchups that you'll be focused on on Sunday? I, I- I think there are, there, there are two players in one group. I think the two players are Allen Robinson and Jalen Ramsey. Can Allen Robinson get involved in the offense in a meaningful way? Can they, can he take some of the pressure off Cooper cup? Because week one, if it wasn't going to, if Cooper cup wasn't going to do it, it wasn't going to happen. So Allen Robinson needs to be involved there. Number two, Jalen Ramsey. Can he still be that guy? Can he can he still be that shutdown corner? Can he be the guy that can erase a third of the field just because, Hey, that's number five over there. We're going to throw it anywhere. But at him, that didn't happen in week one. And then I think the last part is the biggest question of the offseason continues to be one of the biggest questions of the early part of this season, which is what exactly is that rebuilt offensive line for the Rams? Is it good enough for them to give Matthew Stafford the time that it needs? They've already had some injuries. They're already shuffling. And their left tackle, Joe Nopum, who was supposed to slide in relatively seamlessly for Andrew Whitworth, did not in week one. What does he look like in week two? Yeah, that Rams offensive line is going to be a key matchup for me looking at the Falcons pass rush and whether or not they can take advantage for the second week in a row of that weekend Rams front. I'm worried about the Falcons offensive line dealing with that Rams front and Aaron Donald and whether or not the Falcons running game uh, can be as effective as it was in week one when they ran for 200 yards rushing to slow down those Rams pass rushers like Donald to pin their ears back. And then talking about Cooper Cup, you, you know, you say, Allen Robinson and other players have to step up, but if the Falcons can't handle Cooper Cup, maybe he can do it all by himself, uh, given some of the question marks where the Falcons do not have a reliable or proven nickel cornerback with the injury to Isaiah Oliver. Is it Mike Ford? Is it D. Alford? Depending on the Falcons' game plan, we could see both or one of those guys taking the majority of the snaps, and I think Alford's probably the better bet from a pure coverage standpoint, but it seems like the Falcons might have a little bit more trust in Mike Ford uh, playing that zone-heavy scheme that we expect to see um, this weekend. And I think that potentially results in some different outcomes. Uh, I think we both see the Falcon or the Rams winning this game, uh, but you seem to think it's a little bit uh, closer than I thought, but remind the folks uh, sort of what you see this final score being. I think it's a 24 to 17 game. I think that the Rams win. I don't think that they win the way that they thought they might have when the schedule came out. And you saw that the Falcons were coming to LA in week two, that you were coming off of a, you know, the, the mini bye week, as they called it. Keep in mind, the Rams have had a couple extra days to get ready for this game where Atlanta played on Sunday. The Rams played on Thursday. 
But I do just think that 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 top line talent that we're talking about, we're talking about Aaron Donald, you're talking about Stafford and Cup and and Bobby Wagner, somebody who we haven't talked uh, about a, a whole lot in this one, and and Jalen Ramsey too. That those guys show up and be some of those top 100 talent level guys that we've talked about um, because they're going to have to be because that next group of guys down did not seem like they were ready. So those stars are going to have to carry the day for LA come Sunday. Absolutely. And I think the Rams will wind those stars will wind up carrying the day. I have them winning this game 27 to 16. I do not expect the Falcons to play as well as they did in week one uh, going up against this tough Rams team. Who's going to be motivated to win. Obviously the Falcons will have a similar motivation, but I look forward to being surprised if the Falcons (laughs) can take care of business on Sunday. So we will definitely be looking forward to this weekend's matchup. I know Matt, Williamson and Brian Peacock will be looking forward to it as they break it down all week long, as well as the other matchups on Peacock and Williamson here on the Locked On Podcast Network. For Travis Rogers, the host of Locked On Rams, you can find him at Travis Rogers on Twitter. Myself, Aaron Freeman, the host of Locked On Falcons at Falcfans, F-A-L-C-F-A-N-S. That's going to do it for us here on Crossover Thursday. Travis, you have anything else you want to add before we duck out of here? I think you got it covered, Aaron. I'm excited to see it. We need a we need a a, a better vibe in SoFi come come Sunday afternoon because the opener was a big fat face plant. So hopefully this one feels a little better. We'll see what happens on Sunday, guys. Uh, we'll have you covered here on Locked On Rams and Locked On Falcons. Looking forward to that matchup. Uh, until then.